listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Uh, how are you feeling? You okay? Everybody all right? No, seriously, now, when you say to somebody, how are you? And now it doesn't mean, you know, what's going on, what's happening. Now it's like, seriously, no, serious, seriously, how are you? Are you... Do you, do you, do you, are you running a fever at all? Every time I swallow now, I think, is that, is, is my throat contracting? Am I getting a cold? Am, do I have to worry about that? Here's one thing I wondered today. Is it appropriate to ask your coworkers if you can feel their foreheads? Is that, can you just say, would you mind? I just, for my own, you're looking a little, little schwitzy. You're looking a little... Yeah, you, you, you're, you're a little clammy looking. Can I just feel your forehead? Is that appropriate now? Have we come to that? We're going to find out what's going on with COVID-19. We're going to check in on the markets. Here's the thing that made me feel better. I'm a bargain hunter. hunter. I'm a cheap guy. I'm cheap. I will buy things that are just on sale. I don't need them, but they're on sale. So right now, the entire stock market, fire sale right now. Is it a good time to buy? We're going to figure that out. We're going to try and figure out what's going to happen in Toronto going forward with COVID-19. You might have heard that Shopify has just canceled a conference here in the city because of concerns over COVID-19. What's that mean going forward for the business and for the economy of this city? Are we going to see more cancellations? Suddenly, you know, the, I don't know, are the Shriners coming? I don't know. Maybe they're not coming now. Can I feel their foreheads? I don't know. A lot of questions. I have more details on Plategate. You heard a little bit in the news here, but there's actually more to this than the actual headline. So the, the minister in charge, Lisa Thompson, the worst communicator on the front bench of the Ford government, absolutely a disaster, sends out a press conference or a press release this morning, basically says, we got it all figured out. You're going to get the new plates. No cost to you. All is good. But then you, you got to click the background thing. There's a little, there's a little link. Click on the background, and here are the details that you need to know. Beginning next week, they will no longer issue the new blue plates, the enhanced blue plates, the ones that are problematic, invisible in certain light conditions. Instead, they're going to start handing out the old white ones again. Yeah, that's what they're going to (laughs) do. You know, you remember the liberal status quo license plates that we had to get rid of? They're going to start handing those back out. Talk about rich. Talk uh-huh. about ironic. Uh-huh. And then when they get the new, new enhanced plates from 3M, they're going to distribute those to the 71,000, 71,000 motorists in this in this province, pardon me, that already have it. And the minister points out, hey, that's less than 1% of all drivers. Like as if that makes a difference. You know, so there's nothing to see here, folks. Everything's all good. <laughs> and if you get one of these new white plates, if you happen to fall in the window where you're getting your plates replaced between next week on March the uh, 5th, and whenever they actually start handing out the new ones, I think they have a date on when the, the actual new new ones are going to come out. Well, you're just going to keep the white one. That's the thing. If you get one of the old liberal status quo plates, you're just going to be liberal status quo from until the next time you have to replace your plates. <laughs> oh, that makes me feel better somehow. It does. It makes me feel better. How are you feeling, by the way, Rob? 
I'm, you, I'm feeling great. Are you all right? Yeah, yeah. No fever, nothing. Can I touch your forehead? Yeah, if you'd like to. It would make yeah. me feel better. Sheba, hands. Sheba Siddiqui is my producer, is with me. Sheba, how you feeling? Never better. All right. A little cough today, feeling a little no, sweaty. I said what? But I said you know, pardon. Yeah. So if I shook your hand, oh, I think I did earlier. No, we don't have any physical contact. <laughs> you know, HR has said that that can't. But here's the thing. We're in a tough spot. We're in a pickle. We, As you heard in the news, we got lucky number, unlucky number seven now in Ontario. Seventh confirmed case of COVID-19. This is another person who traveled to Iran. So there's that link there. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take a miracle. Donald it's going Trump. to disappear. One day it's like a miracle. It will disappear. Yes. And from our shores, we've, you know, it could get worse before it gets better. It could maybe go away. We'll see what happens. Nobody really knows. The fact is, the greatest experts have spoken to them all. Nobody really knows. Nobody knows. It's going to take a miracle. The Ontario miracle. It's an Ontario miracle that it's going to require. Miracle. Just, Donald Trump, it's going to take a miracle? What in the... Oh, my goodness. And then here's the Donald again. And this one is a little jaw dropping. You know, the the whole point of all of this is let's try and remain calm. Let's keep focused on the facts. Except for Donald Trump says, well, everything that you hear from the media, that's not true. They are trying to build this up and they are doing things and saying things that are absolutely crazy yeah and they are really hurting our country the yeah. fake news media the fake news media okay so are we supposed to be getting our covid19 information from potus the from his twitter feed that's where we're supposed to that's the thing that seems that seems unwise hey donald you're looking a little yellow little orange maybe can i feel your forehead Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, the Director General of the WHO World Health Organization, holding yet another press conference as he does every morning. Mr. Ghebreyesus goes full FDR here on this clip. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Our greatest enemy right now is not the virus itself. It's, it's fake fear, media. No, sorry. Rumors and stigma. And our greatest assets are facts reason and solidarity this is not a time for fear it is not a time for fear meanwhile across the planet mass hysteria over masks here's tj holmes stores and websites sold out amazon even reportedly warning third-party retailers that are taking advantage of this mask hysteria raising prices by more than 400 percent health officials are preparing for a potential shortage it is a mass mask hysteria that is what we have this is what we have come to i don't know i i i'm i'm i'm, I'm flummoxed i'm flummoxed and here's the other thing. Did you hear what happened in Switzerland? The Swiss have now canceled the Geneva Auto Show. And they have banned any gatherings of more than 1,000 people. And when the Swiss start freaking out, that that's worrisome. I know you're going to ask me something, Sheba. 
Aren't you on your way there soon for a, a, a nice romantic snowboarding trip? Well, I don't know how much. Hold ro- up with COVID-19 in the lodge? <laughs> I was going to say, did the Swiss cancel your, <laughs> your snowboarding I swear, trip? I swear three weeks from today, I fly to Switzerland to go snowboarding at Zermatt, which has been, and I swear to you, this has been bucket list <laughs> for me. I've had this thing planned and circled on the calendar for a year. And just, uh, I was it this week? Yeah, earlier this week, my wife, who's very sensible, says to me, do you think that this COVID-19 thing is going to get an impact our vacation? I said, absolutely not. Please remain calm. And now, now I can't hang out with a thousand people in Switzerland. You better hope there aren't over a thousand people on that ski hill with you. Well, see, it's a ski hill. There's going to be, it's not a car show, <laughs> but... Across Europe, there, I mean, now we have soccer stadiums. We have soccer matches being played to empty soccer stadiums because you can't get all those people. You don't want to put them all together. And then there's this. 38% of Americans will not buy Corona beer, quote, under any circumstances because of the coronavirus. This is from the CN- This is from CNN. This is a recent survey. Now, just to be abundantly clear, there is no link between coronavirus, and the beer. But 38% of Americans say they would not buy corona beer because of fear of the coronavirus. You know what goes good with coronavirus? Lyme disease. Uh, let's get back to Mr. Gabrezis, is a good buddy of mine. I have him on the program every day. He seemed a little less tense in his uh, daily update. Uh, and here's one of the reasons why, and I th- let's get some real perspective here, because this stuff can run away with you. It, the numbers in China are down, and then there is this hopeful tone from the Director General of the World Health Organization. We do not see evidence as yet that the virus is spreading freely in communities. As long as that's the case, we still have a chance of containing this virus. Oh. We got a chance. Well, chip in a chair. All the hope in the world. How you feeling? How you feeling? How you doing? How you, are you, you good? Feel good? I feel good. I feel good. I'm looking at the Dow Jones number right now. Oh, that doesn't make me feel good. Man, it's down again. 633 points right now. TSX, of course, had to shut down early yesterday because of a technical glitch. It opened down again today. Like that's, that's what you need, right? You know, the markets are free-falling, and the TSX is like, wow, it doesn't work anymore. Control-Alt-Delete. It doesn't work. Well, the TSX a bit of a black eye on that, but of course it's back up and running. Now, what does all of this mean financially? Well, from Associated Press, we're soon going to get a first proper glimpse of the economic damage the coronavirus is inflicting. That's because China's official purchasing managers index is due on Saturday, and that is expected to show the sharpest manufacturing contraction since the 2008 global financial crisis. In a number of organizations, news outlets, including The Guardian in the UK, have predicted that the economic impact of coronavirus will be at least equal, perhaps even worse, than the 2008 financial crisis. And at this point, we really have no idea where we're going, 
except for we know that the market is heading down. And that spells bargain for a lot of people. I think there's a lot of people who thought in the wake of the 2008 crash, man, I, I really should have just bought more. I should have just plowed everything I had. I should have bought, I should have bought property in Florida. It was going for like a buck. And, of course, things came back, and, you know, the market roared back. So is that what's going on right now? Is this an opportunity for you, Mr. and Mrs. Investor? Rick DaCosta is president of FitTraders.com and joins me on the line. Rick, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. Thanks for having me on, Alex. I appreciate sure. that. Are you, right. are you running That's a fever right. at all? Are you no, no cough no. at all? Do you have a cough? You know what? I actually do, which is funny enough. People saw me do my YouTube video this morning. They're like, oh, no, Rick's got the corona himself. My whole family is down ill. But uh, hopefully hopefully, it's nothing major and just a common cough and cold right now. Okay, we're going to keep you on the phone. Don't come to the studio. <laughs> All right. But let's talk about the money. Is this is it true? Is it never been a better time to buy? Well, that's exactly it, right? You know what Warren Buffett says, be fearful when people are greedy and be greedy when people are fearful. So every pullback we ever see, people are fearful and they don't want to inject their money into the market. And then they look back and they say, hmm, I should have. Looking at this right now, this is another pandemic outbreak. We've had, we had SARS in April 2003. We had avian flu, June 06, swine flu, April 09, MER, May 2013, Ebola, March 2014, none of which caused the current reaction we are currently seeing in the SPX right now. The reason for that was we're just coming from all-time highs. We just had an incredible bull market, and we've pulled back 16% in eight trading days. So the panic is completely out there. When coronavirus first came out in the market, we kind of had a little bit of a pullback, but then the market went straight back to all-time high, and everyone took it a little bit lightly. It was when Apple came out and reduced guidance that the market started to be, okay, again, a little bit concerned here. Starbucks was closing all their stores in China. Disney was shutting down all the parks. And, but the biggest factor was the headline risk. CDC, who, once they started, the, the, once they stated the outbreak is inevitable in the U.S., that's when the market really started to feel it. And that's when the pullback became extreme. Now, this pullback, we haven't seen anything like this. We haven't seen anything like this. I'll, I'll share some numbers with you. But the market is trying to bounce. The market is trying to bounce today. It tried to bounce yesterday, but it's the headline risk. Yesterday we were bouncing. We were trading at 311 on SPX, and then they came out and said 8,400 potentially affected in California, and boom, the market dumped right back. Everything's dumping right now. Gold is down. Gold is down 7% from its highs, and everyone thought it was going to be a safe haven. Gold is down. I thought gold was shooting up because everybody was moving their money to gold. Exactly. That was the whole mindset. Oh, just buy gold, just buy gold. And here we are, gold trading at 1587 right now, down 7% from its highs uh, five trading days ago. Everything's pulling back. Only, only the U.S. dollar has seen a little bit of increase. We've lost the entire gains from phase one China deal dating back to October 29, which took 141 days to achieve. We've lost that in seven trading days. Our most re- And you touched on it. Our most recent pullback, uh, SPX, well, actually, no, in two in. 2018, when the Fed raised rates, we pulled back 16% in 15 trading days. And then the market went on a raging bull tear from there. And everyone looks back at that and says, oh, I should have been buying. I should have been buying. And nobody was buying because everyone was scared. And we did that in 15 trading days. We've pulled back more than that in seven days. This market reminds me of 2016 to 2018. That was an exceptional bull market. 
And when we pulled back, we pulled back 11% in two weeks. So what I'm saying is we haven't seen this type of fear in the market in a very long time. So we're hearing recession. We're hearing 08 housing crash. That pulled back 57% over 518 days. The dot-com bubble pulled back 50% in 931 days. This is what everyone's talking about. So as those headlines come out and the fear gets out, people don't want to buy. So there will be the opportunity right now to make a lot of money but you're going to have the concern and people are going to miss out on an opportunity that does arise. Now, my personal opinion is we won't see a recession. It's an election year. The Fed has been injecting cash into the market to keep borrow rates low, inflation contained. It's, it, and, and it's happening ever. It's not just in the U.S. China is committing billions into injection for the outbreak. And, and you know what, Alan, just right now, Goldman Sachs just came out and said, expect 75 basis points rate cut by the U.S. Fed through June starting with 25 basis point cuts in March. Goldman Sachs' full-year global growth forecast at about 2% says expect a, short, a short-lived global contraction that stops short of an outright recession. So, yes, in my opinion, opportunity is here. Rick DaCosta is president of FitTraders.com. A lot of great advice there. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate that. All right. Thank you, Alan. Let's talk housing real quick. Where Rick mentioned housing and how you know the housing market's so tight. I, this one jumped out at me. This is in the Globe and Mail this morning. A bungalow in basically the Allen Road and Eglinton area, listed for six ninety nine nine, sells for nine six seven. Forty bids. Is this kind of thing ethical? Desmond Brown is a former journalist and now a real estate agent working in the beach. Welcome to the program, Desmond. Hello, Alan. Uh, what, what do you, how do you feel about this kind of thing, you know, listing something at six ninety nine when you know perfectly well that that's not what it's worth? Well, you asked if it's ethical. Yeah, it's ethical. It's just a strategy that's being used out here, and it's quite common. We're seeing this quite a bit on a lot of the listings, and um, it's not really... I guess as a realtor, we're not saying that it's deceptive because the market that we're in right now, people are coming to expect that prices or list prices are going to be a little bit lower than what the sellers are expecting. So, I mean, how do you feel about this kind of thing? Because, I mean, six ninety nine. I mean, I, I guess, is that just sort of a thing that so you dangle that out there and everybody rushes in, they fall in love with your bungalow, and then it's, a, it's, it's not actually a list price, it's an invitation to an auction. Yes, exactly. It is an invitation to an auction. There's sometimes where we see properties listed on the market for $1. So, you know, that's opening it up. Yes, it is going to be open for bids. Um, as... When I'm representing a buyer, it's very, very frustrating to go into a situation like this because you don't know how many offers you're going to go up against. But really, at the end of the day, the property ends up selling for what it's worth. Do you so, think so? You don't think it gets yeah. driven up because you've got all these people and like nobody knows, like, what's the other guy in the car, other car going to do? Well, it does get driven up to a certain degree. But the one thing you have to remember is that every one of these properties, if somebody is going to be getting a mortgage on these properties, these properties have to appraise at a value where a lender will give them a mortgage. So that's the, you know, the, the real sticking point in all of this. So if somebody, like say the property is worth, um, you know, 950,000 or that, you know, or close to what you're saying this bungalow is worth and then somebody comes in and pays a million fifty for it. Well, that property is not going to appraise unless 
the person who is buying the property has a lot of equity going in, so that means they have a lot of money in the down payment, or that they're paying cash. So for the most part, I'd say about oh, 90% of the properties that are selling in bidding wars are going close to what the market value is. And then there's a, you know, a small number, like maybe 10%, that are going for an extraordinary amount. But the people who are paying that extraordinary amount either have the means to do that by not having to get a mortgage, or they have a lot down, so the mortgage isn't going to be that big. Des, we got to leave it there. Uh, it's f- fascinating. I, you know, I kind of thought that the sort of you know list low, a lot of auctions had kind of gone by the wayside, but clearly it is still out there. Des Brown with Royal LePage, a realtor in the beaches. Thanks. Hey, thank, thanks, Alan. Welcome back to the program. York Regional Police say a fire that broke out on a plane, in a plane, pardon me, sitting at Buttonville Airport on Thursday night appears to be suspicious. Emergency crews were called to Buttonville. That's near Highway 404 and 16th Avenue. At about 11.30 last night for reports of a jet on fire. Catherine McDonald is our Global News Crime Specialist and is working on this story. Catherine, hello. Hello, Alan. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm not... I don't own a jet, but I can imagine if I did and then I discovered it was a burnt-out shell, I wouldn't be all that happy. Yeah, so this is, uh, the part of the question is just who owns this private jet. Uh, it's a nine-seater, it's uh, a business jet, it's the kind of jet you would have if you had a business and you had a lot of money, because they're very expensive to operate. But part of what makes this story sort of interesting is that it has been sitting on the runway or near this hangar at Buttonville for four months. It landed uh, there four months ago, coming in from Westchester, New York, and police uh, say that when they got to the airport last night, not only did they find this air- airplane on fire, but they found um, a jerry cam at the foot of the stairs of the airplane. They found a hole in the chain link fence and footsteps going towards the plane. So it I mean, I'm not an investigator, but I'm yeah. going to suggest that that's suspicious. Yeah, it, it obviously looked deliberately set. And so um, investigators are now trying to figure out uh, who did this. It, it has the hallmarks of an insurance-type um, fire. Uh, you know, just to operate a plane like this, even if you're not flying it, is very expensive. Uh, this is a plane that it was 40 years old. It, it has a lot of hours on it. But why has it been sitting there for four months? It's registered to uh, a company in Delaware, uh, a trustee, uh, an air, airline trustee. And uh, police are trying to now obviously speak to whoever owns it and find out why it was just sitting here for four months. But uh, obviously very suspicious. Luckily, there was no one on board the plane. No one was hurt. But still, it was a lot of resources, and it could have been... Um, you know, the fact that someone would go to these lengths to torture plane is something that police want to figure out why and, and catch the suspect. Yeah, but leaving a jerry can at the bottom of the open sort of gangway there, that doesn't strike me as I'm going to try and surreptitiously set this thing on fire and collect insurance money. No, you're right. It, it wasn't very, uh, you know, it, it looked quite obvious, but... Um, uh, there, there's what happened, and perhaps maybe this one, this fire started and went up faster than the suspect anticipated. Maybe he had to really make a quick exit. Please tell me there is no surveillance. There are no surveillance cameras on this uh, near this hangar. It's sort of a little bit remote. It's not on the main uh, runway, 
And so that makes it more complicated. So they're trying to, they're, they're looking for witnesses because they want to figure out who did this. All right. Well, thanks for the update on that. That's obviously a developing mystery. Uh, Catherine, yesterday, um, I just want to play this. This is uh, audio of you <laughs> trying to coax a, ca- a cat from atop a hydro pole. Come on down. <laughs> Come on. What? You can jump. Very scared. Uh, t- just give me a quick synopsis here. Uh, bring me up to speed on the uh, pole cat, which is not a pole cat. It's a cat on top of a pole, different thing. So, yeah, this is um, Hydrocat. Uh, that name was dubbed by uh, the, the couple who found this uh, black and white uh, kitten at the top of this telephone pole yesterday morning around 8. Uh, when I arrived, uh, they were quite desperate for help. They said they'd been calling Toronto Animal Services, 311 Toronto, Toronto Hydro, uh, and no one had been responding. And then we began tweeting. I said, we need a hashtag for this cat. And uh, the, the fellow said, what about pole, cat on pole? And I said, no. And he said, what about hydro cat? And I said, I like that. So we went with HydroCat, and we stood there for a couple hours freezing, watching this very cool cat freezing at the top of the pole. And, um, yeah, we were trying everything. They had a tin of cat food at the base of the pole. Um, and uh, so HydroCat came down the pole eventually, thanks to some very uh, calm Toronto Hydro workers who complained to me off camera that this isn't our job because it's really not <laughs> our pole. Well, I saw this. The, the, the... There's an actual truck comes in, a guy goes up in the thing, he's up in the, and then he's got a cherry picker, and then he's got to grab a cat. I mean, this sounds like a nightmare. And and he's embarrassed. He's like, don't put me on camera. (laughs) Uh, You you can just imagine. However, you know, the power union tweeted, you know, great job by our hydro worker. Like, come on, this is a fun story. And, you know, it's a cold day. And it's cold for animals, too. And it reminds you that you got to keep your pets safe. And i got to tell you, I was really happy yesterday when I went and had to spend the afternoon at Animal Services waiting for the owner to show up. This is the best part of the story. We okay, yeah. So uh, Animal Services called, and they said, yeah, it looks like the owner's going to come claim the cat. Oh, so there is an owner. Okay. So we went over to Toronto Animal Services uh, just at, at north of Downsview, and uh, this couple walked in. They were carrying a missing poster. Um, like lost cat, and so she said, we're going to just take them in the back and see if they can positively identify this cat as their own, and we were quite anxious, and out they came, and they had a long look on their faces, and they said, not our cat. Oh. And so I said, tell me about your cat. They said, oh, we've been missing baby for 11 days, but oh. this is not our cat. And so I said to the lady with animal services, why don't they take Hydro Cat? She said, don't just give another cat to a couple. They want their cat, Catherine. Yeah, that's heartless, Catherine. You've been in crime for too long. You can't just replace one cat with the other. No. HydroCat, however, needs to stay under observation because Uh he may have some frostbite that is yet to be detected, and and, uh, they're going to put a microchip in the cat, which would have been helpful had uh, this cat been microchipped. We'd know who owned the cat. And it's a possibility this was just a stray cat, in which case he will be up for adoption. You could possibly adopt HydroCat. Why? Why you should take HydroCat home? I have allergies to cats. My children watch the news, and, they, and my daughter said, "You better wash your hands, Mom. You were near a cat." <laughs> and I said, "I'm okay." Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> well, nice anyway, work. There, there's, there's a nice cat up for adoption soon, and I think it's, a, it's kind of a famous cat.
Famous but, cat. Yeah, I think you could take this cat with you on your ski trip. Not, no. Not, yeah, me, the cat, and COVID-19. Great. Thanks. Catherine McDonald, our crime specialist. Always great to have you on the show. Thanks, Catherine. Take care. Welcome back to the program. What will be the economic impact here in Toronto, specifically because of COVID-19? We are being warned against fear, but we are also being warned to prepare. And part of the reason that we're being warned to prepare is that I think we need to prepare, not just in terms of, you know, I'm not talking about putting food in your basement and stocking up on that. It's just terms and prepare mentally for what might happen. What might be coming? And I think we got a little bit of a taste of it this morning when we heard that Shopify is canceling a conference that it is scheduled for Toronto because of fears of COVID-19. Keep in mind also that Switzerland just canceled a car show, the Geneva car show, and said that they're not going to allow more than a thousand people to get together at any particular moment because of fears of contamination. Sean O'Shea is looking at the economic impacts here for Toronto and joins me on the line. Hi, Sean. Hi, good afternoon, Alan. What can you tell us about what you're hearing from business? Well, we're down actually right now at the convention center. There's a huge convention just starting today and for the next week. It's the Prospectors and Developers Association of Canada. This is a big international conference, 28,000 attendees. They decided to go ahead with the conference, even though some people aren't going to be able to show up, especially people from China. We're just interviewing a man who came here last night from Uganda. He came, but he's not sure. He's telling us whether he's going to stay in the room for the whole week or whether he's going to go out because there is concern. But they decided, for example, to keep this convention going. They're following Toronto Public Health's uh, recommendations, and they've provided more hand sanitizers and more sanitation here. But the question is going to be, are there going to be, as you mentioned, other conventions that are not held? And I think there was a a study that came out from the United States yesterday from a business travel association warning that there could be a $46 billion a month lost internationally in business travel because some companies that were polled, uh, two-thirds of companies that they polled have already started canceling some some meetings. So I think it's going to happen, and I think that to some extent, um, convention bureaus and that kind of, of uh, association, they don't want to necessarily talk about it too much because they don't want, to have to, want it to happen, but it will happen uh, notwithstanding that because of forces beyond your control. Sean, you do a lot of reporting on the airline industry, and I'm noticing that airline stocks down very sharply. We have a number of warnings, especially from uh, low-cost European airlines because, you know, all of the flights in and out of Italy now, are many of those are being scaled back. And, and there's going to be a ripple effect, I think, even for Canadian airlines as well. I, I agree 100%. Yeah, the stocks are down badly. People who have a choice about travel, and that's almost all of us, right, uh, have a choice of whether you're going to go someplace. People are, are starting to decide that it's not worth it. Uh, you know, March break is just around the corner. I was down at Queen's Park yesterday with the Ontario um, uh, medical health officer. Uh, he would not give a definitive, should I stay or should I go? He said, in answer to my question, I'm not a travel agent. So they're letting everybody make their own decisions. But a lot of people don't know what to think because they're, they're being told, do your research. Well, the research is supposed to be, to be coming out from authorities who, who know the answers. So some people are, are, are still on the fence. Other people thinking, it's not going to hit me, so I'm going to go. But with respect to air travel, 
where you're, you're cooped up in a box and you may not be able to get back, I think you're going to see more and more people make that decision that it's just not worth going. Sean, I had a scheduled trip to Switzerland coming up three weeks today. Uh, if you were in my shoes, would you be reconsidering? I thought about you when I heard about the Geneva travel, the Geneva car show, uh, Alan. I knew you were taking that trip. And I, I you know, I, I don't want to sound like somebody that can't make a decision, but I think you are going to have to make a decision on your own for that. And, and a lot can happen between now and then. I think that's the real answer. If, if you're starting to see more cases, then you, you probably uh, may make a different decision. I would tend, though, to, to give the straight answer, I would probably go. I know where you're going. You're not going into a big metropolis. You're a smart person. You, you, you know the precautions to take. I would probably still go unless some, we start to hear about even more cases where you're going in the next week. Great advice. Thanks, Sean. Sean O'Shea is our Consumer Affairs Reporter at Global. Appreciate you being on the program. Thanks, Alan. Have a good day. Sean O'Shea just said I was a smart person. <laughs> that is the great... Well... That, he did. I would play it back. Get that. That's, that's Sean O'Shea, folks. That's amazing. Uh, that, you know, but I'm worried, about, I'm worried about Switzerland, but it's, I mean, you, lots can happen in the next three weeks. I'm going anywhere. I don't care. I'm, as long as the flight's going, I'm going. I want to go snowboarding. I, Global pandemic. Stop it! Cut it out. <laughs> Just wear a bottle over your head for <laughs> the right. All right, Shibas. <laughs> All right, Shiba Siddiqui is with me, and Mira Estrada is the host of Culture, joins me on the line for our weekly look at pop culture news. Hello, uh, Mira, are you at home Hello, because you're sick person. at all? Are you, what, how, do, can I'm I... I'm being extra precautious. Uh-huh. Um, you yeah. sure? Are you feeling okay? I don't know how smart you are, but well, yeah. Okay, settle down. <laughs> all right, let's begin with this. Can I interest either of you in a Corona beer? 38% of Americans say they would not, under any circumstance, now buy a Corona beer because of coronavirus. Oh, geez. Sheba? Well, they said they wouldn't order one in public. Oh, you wouldn't? <laughs> All right, let's go with you, Mira. Would you, I mean, does this the coronavirus actually extend to Corona beer in your mind? Hell no. <laughs> it is the name. I mean, I would like to think consumers are a little more they're smarter than you, Alan. And that they realize that the name Corona beer is in no way related to the coronavirus. Um, But apparently they have connected this. Uh, Constellation Brands is actually saying that this has not hurt them, but um, public relations reports and their stock otherwise. Exactly, exactly. Uh, we talked about this earlier this week, Gwyneth Paltrow on a flight uh, to Paris to a fashion show wearing a mask. Uh, wh- wh- how, do you, how do you feel about the Gwyneth uh, goop thing, Sheba? I'm not a fan of Gwyneth, to be honest with you, first off and foremost. Um, although she is going to, I think it was she's going to Milan for watching no, Milan. Paris. It's Paris, yes, Paris. because Milan, there, are, there is no audience for the no. fashion shows. Um Okay, if you want to be, if you want to take a precaution, go for it. But you have to tweet it out, especially you the. You have to put it on Instagram. Really, really, I think I don't. know. I'm not a fan of her in the first place, and Goop and uh, her. What is it? Her jade egg in the vagina. All of that. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. It's also she has 6.9 million followers. I think this is irresponsible. Yes. 
social media sharing in this way and comparing it to her film, which like in that film, this mystery virus like has killed tens of thousands, millions of people, like making that comparison. Mira Estrada says, no, that is not a wise comparison since she refers to herself in the third person. I will do the same. Uh, Mira Estrada says, no, this is not smart, Gwyneth. Uh, let's move to this, uh, The because we talked about Instagram, Gwyneth Paltrow posting that on Instagram. We are now in, according to the New Yorker, the age of Instagram face. Mira, what is that? So this basically is this, like, single, cyborgian-looking face, um, really due to, like, Facetune and plastic surgery, where everybody is looking for this one very similar-looking face. We couldn't call it, like, the, the Kardashian. Or, yeah, the Kardashian face. The pro- I have a big problem with this because in order to achieve this face, and the, the writer of this article said she actually went to a plastic surgeon and said, hey, if I want to have this face, what would this cost? You know, is a mere 30 grand. Um, so this face is not cheap. Also, when we have young people in their 20s looking to get this plastic surgery, not only is it a money factor, what are the long-term health side effects of injecting these chemicals into your face. Sheba, have you ever been tempted by injectables? <laughs> no, never. I'm actually quite, I'm against them. You're against them? I'm against yeah, plastic but the, I surgery, mean, you're, inje- you're barely fillers. out of your 20s, so oh, what, yeah. do you know? what do you know? What do you know? You don't know 50. anything. No, I'm I'm completely against them. And I'll be honest, this is throwing shade, and I, I feel bad doing this. I've yet to see a woman who looks good with fillers in her face. I think it looks uh, so unnatural. Just age gracefully. It's that here's I'll tell you something for free from, you know, the other <laughs> side of uh, the age gap is that you say that. And then the next thing you know, your face begins to slide off your skull as you age. And you think, you know what? I'm going to get an injectable. Is that what you're thinking when you look in the mirror nowadays? Yeah, I, it is not. A, it's not. I tell you what. Aging is not fun. It's not good. Mira, what do you, would you do? Would you do this? No, no, look, I'm in my 40s and I don't have anything uh against this like i'm not throwing shame at any of these people i just i have a big problem with trying to achieve something that you're not and it's just especially targeting it to young people and saying um preventative aging like aging is not a disease we should be happy to be so fortunate that we get to age it's a privilege to me i don't feel privileged (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't either if I look like that Oh, (laughs) snap Sean O'Shea gives and Mira and Sheba take away All right, Sheba, thank you so much Mira, thank you so much for being on the program Thank you Have yourself a fantastic weekend Please, everyone Stay safe, stay calm Everybody relax Gonna be just fine